Do you know what you're listening to? And now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Snowman in the Morning podcast. Did you not get the memo? Insanity ensues. Can't wait. How was your Thanksgiving holiday? Mine was pretty good. Sports-wise, not so much. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the post-holiday edition of Snowman in the Morning on this Monday. Thank you for joining us. Lots to get to over the course of the time that uh, we'll be here. Thanksgiving ransacked by COVID as far as sports go. The Carolina Panthers gave a game away. And I'll get. I'll make sure that I get to that. Of course, we're going to have our headlines, our Monday morning QB with Ryan Dunn. And Desmond Johnson will help me break down the breakdown in Minneapolis. But we're going to start with this. The Thanksgiving holiday was blown to shreds, blown to shreds. And college football and the NFL is in denial when it comes to the coronavirus. Multiple college football games for the third week in a row have been postponed or flat out canceled due to COVID. One of the biggest games on the docket that was wiped out featured the former number three team in the country, and that is the Ohio State University. Ryan Day tested positive for the coronavirus, and the Buckeyes lost their game to Illinois. And from what I'm told, it will not be made up. Biggest question on the docket. What will Ohio State do if they don't get to six wins? If they don't play six regular season games, I beg your pardon. Should they be left out of the college football playoff? Because this is the biggest reason. Ohio State, never mind the fact that Northwestern, who laid an egg on Saturday in East Lansing, Michigan, is still in the driver's seat to make the Big Ten championship. Never mind the fact that they can still win the damn thing, they meaning Northwestern, and beat Ohio State out of a playoff spot. Never mind that... Trevor Lawrence came back, had a great game, and then told basically told Clemson goodbye. And that's a subject I'll touch later in the week. Double-digit games have been postponed or canceled by college football. Third straight week. Matter of fact, Wake Forest suspends all football-related activities until Wednesday with all the COVID cases that are running rapid, with, with the numbers spiking. You would think, and I thought I would never say this, I was so happy to have college football, but this prevailing thought is now in my head. And it was the first what-if thought that popped in my head when college football began. What if they can't 
complete the season. Clemson, Florida State was postponed, and Dabo Sweeney got a little petty with it. An offensive lineman had tested positive for the virus. Clemson officials still wanted to play the game. This, of course, was last weekend. Tigers practiced then traveled to Tallahassee with a player who turned out to have the virus. Florida State wasn't comfortable going forward, and they hadn't had a positive test since mid-September. Don't blame them for not playing. You're playing against a team that's traveling with a player that has the coronavirus? Oh, hell no. No thank you. Dabo Sweeney said COVID was just, quote, COVID was just an excuse to to cancel the game. No, it wasn't. I had so many people ask me about this and Dabo Sweeney making the assertion that FSU ducked Clemson. I don't think so. If you're in charge of a football team and you're wary of playing a team that has a player with COVID, back out. Never mind what they say. Hell, Nick Saban tested positive for the second time for the coronavirus and missed the Iron Bowl. Wasn't much to watch anyway since Alabama rolled up Auburn at Bryant-Denny Stadium. And not only did Clemson start to travel and play Florida State, the game never happened with a player that had coronavirus, but so did Gonzaga University for basketball play this past weekend knowing it had a player with a positive COVID test. Are you kidding me? Knowing it had a player. Let me say that again. Knowing it had a player with a positive COVID test. Why are you traveling? If you knew that a player had a COVID test and you still traveled with that player, you're putting a lot of people at risk. College basketball is at risk. As crazy as that sounds to a lot of people, college football is at risk. It could shut down at any moment. Hell, Duke didn't even play its opening game because of a positive test. There is no kind of uniformity in college basketball or football. There is no way, and I'm speaking from watching all this develop, why not take Rick Pitino's advice and push back college basketball for a couple of months until the numbers trend down? I was all in on the ACC playing college football because it seemed like in the early going, they had figured out a way to get everyone a test, make sure they test every, um, make sure they test every day. And then they had more rules in place 
just in case a COVID test popped up. But now in this latter part of the season where we're driving toward conference championships, none of the conference championships won't happen. Matter of fact, it, it seems like. Matter of fact, I got word that the New Era Pinstripe Bowl, which is a personal game that I love watching from Yankee Stadium in New York, has been canceled because of the worry of coronavirus. The Holiday Bowl, gone, wiped out. Are we going to even get to January 1st when the playoff games are supposed to happen? Or are we going to have a bunch of uncrowned champions, which is, way, which is where I think this is going, which is exactly where I think this is going. I think this is the year that a college champion in football or basketball, because remember, March Madness was wiped out because of the coronavirus. Absolutely wiped out, canceled, gone, kaput. How are they going to do this with the numbers trending up? If one person on a college basketball staff, men or women, tests positive for coronavirus, the entire team is at risk. The entire team. Contract tracing and all. The entire team is at risk. Would you really want to do that? Would you really want to put these 17, 18-year-old kids at risk just to play? I understand wanting to play. I understand that. Don't get it twisted. I understand. But why are you putting all these kids at risk if one player on your team tests positive for the coronavirus. Why are you making that? Why is that call being made? I understand with the schedule. And again, this makes me lean toward Rick Pitino's assessment, the coach at Iona. And he said, back it up a couple of months. Wait till the new year. And why not? Why not? The NFL is in stupid denial right now. The Steelers-Ravens game moved twice. It was supposed to play, they were supposed to play Thanksgiving night. But because Lamar Jackson tested positive, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Andrews, among the Ravens with COVID and more numbers pop up, they moved it to Sunday and then they moved it to tomorrow. I have a sneaking feeling this game will not be played. I have a sneaking suspicion not only will this game not be played, it will not be made up. I mean, flexible scheduling is one thing, but come on. And there's people saying, oh, the Ravens are ducking Pittsburgh. Shut up. Just shut up. This is more serious than you make it out to be. The Broncos, oh my goodness. I mean, 
they are in they were in the spot of all spots when all three of their quarterbacks tested positive for covid and had to be put on the covid-19 list you know Ryan Dunn who's going to join me later on the show said on his show, one of the quarterbacks needs to hold back, needs to be held back and do his virtual learning from home. So that way, when they get in a fix, where they they do just happen to lose their starter and their backup, then they'd have somebody to start for them. Wasn't the case. Nick Saban told ESPN back in August, quote, I want our team to play, but for the players' sake, the value they can create for themselves. I, I Let me read that again. Quote, I want our team to play, but I want to play for the players' sake, the value they can create for themselves. I know I'll be criticized no matter what I say that I don't care about player safety. Look, players are a lot safer with us than they are running around at home. Close quote. Serious denial going on in sports right now. And with the NBA set to break open the seal on a brand new season, on December 22nd, hell, December 1st, when they report to camp, they barely had the draft and they barely had free agency. This entire country, as far as sports goes, is upside down. I'm glad the NHL was able to pull off a bubble. I'm glad the NBA was able to pull it off. I'm glad Major League Baseball was able to do it. But there has been some denial with football, and I'm willing to bet you there's going to be a lot more with the NBA coming up very soon. There's going to be a hell of a lot more with bat, with uh, college basketball because, as I said before, one kid tests positive, the whole team's at risk. What can college basketball do? We don't know yet. Can they complete a season? We don't know yet. I asked Connor O'Neill when I had him on, can we get to now Greensboro, which is where the ACC tournament is? If they pull it back, give it a month. Give it to the new year. Just give it to the, give it to the new year. That's what I say. With the cases trending up, and Desmond warned me of this several times. Because... Uh, though there's no, there hasn't been an announcement made for high school ball here in North Carolina that will be pulled. It's looking that way. It's absolutely looking that way. And I am afraid for everyone involved, broadcasters included. Insanity ensues. Did you not get the memo? You're listening to the Snowman in the Morning podcast. <laughs> Can't wait. 
on the hotline with me is the one and only Desmond Johnson, the host of The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. You can hear that on Fridays, 4 to 6 on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, and the host of the Believe in Panthers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Follow him on Twitter at Des underscore 3505. DJ, what's going on? What's going on, man? Another uh, beautiful Monday here in the Carolinas. Uh, a much-needed bye week for our Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Uh, and it's probably a good thing you didn't talk to me Sunday evening because I, <laughs> I was hot. <laughs> I was which, hot. <laughs> which makes me begin with this question, and I know you caught part of my opening as you're on the run. What the hell happened in the last two minutes? That game should have been – that game was a gift wrap win – from the Vikings offense to the Panthers defense, what happened? Poor clock management by the Panthers coaching staff for mm-hmm. starters, and this uh, this three three five base that defensive coordinator Phil Snow has thrown out there occasionally. I am totally over it. Like I, <laughs> if I see the Panthers rushing three guys again in mm-hmm. any game this season. I'm going to lose it. Like, I can't deal with it anymore. I've been bringing it up all year that yes. it doesn't work. It, it has never worked for us. Nope. It didn't work earlier at this game. And for some reason, they go back to it with Kirk Cousins having a whole field to need to drive down. And just, ah, uh, that's, that's the biggest mistake to me. Was uh, For some reason, Phil Snow seems infatuated with this drop eight rush three uh, defense and the murderer's row of quarterbacks that the Panthers have seen over the past six or seven weeks have just sliced and diced through it to the point where I would, if I was Matt Rule, I would walk in that room or on that Zoom call or whatever on Tuesday since they're on a bye, and I would tell Phil Snow, hey, man, stop rushing three people. Right. Like, it's as simple as that. Rushing three people. What are you doing? (laughs) Right. Right. My my wife heard me this morning and she says, Carolina's not usually your team. Yeah, but I'm co- but I'm covering them. And after what I saw, the Panthers, and I'll say it again the way I opened the show, they gave this away. They gave this game away. Jeremy Chin rode to the rescue twice in the third quarter within a 10-second span, and then the offense yeah. bogged down again. Yeah, and the, uh, Jeremy Chen, for starters, uh, let me give him his flowers because I think he's sealed up Defensive Player of the Year. Yep. Uh, I think it was between him and uh, Chase Young, the, uh, the defensive end in Washington. Um, but when he did the third quarter of this game, the scoop and score off of the fumble uh, at the start of the third quarter, I, I wasn't even in the room for the first one. I had left <laughs> uh, and went to my kitchen for like 30 seconds came back out and they were kicking off and I was like, wait a minute, why is the score, you know, yeah, it's like, what happened? Like, why, why is the score what right, it is? And right. then, literally, like, five seconds later, he strips the ball and runs it in for another score, and I realized that he just scored 14 points in, like, 10 seconds, mm-hmm. and the offense, the Carolina offense hadn't even been back on the field yet, so I'm yeah. like, wow. Carolina just got what they needed. They needed, this Carolina team plays better when they're ahead. Mm-hmm. They play better when they're ahead the whole year. And especially if they're ahead in the second half, I don't think they've lost any of those games until Sunday. So at that point, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, run the ball, run some clock down. You know what I mean? Like stuff that Carolina can do. Mm -hmm. They've got the facilities to do it. Run that short passing game. 
and just basically make the Vikings work for it. And for whatever reason, the Panthers' defense just went to this weird prevent. Just I don't I don't even know what to call it. Like it's just it's trash. It's, it it's, it's trash not even defense. a pre- it's not even of a of a pre- it's not even a prevent defense because they didn't prevent anything. They allowed Kirk Cousins right. and the Vikings to get them two touchdowns in ninety five seconds. The Vikings the Vikings had two hundred and twenty one yards of offense in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that there's no excuse for that. And then uh, I just heard part of uh, Matt Roll's press conference from Sunday uh, evening where he was the first thing he said, there's no excuse for us, you know, not punching in a touchdown with like two thirty six to go yep. after the Vikings muffed the fair catch mm-hmm. on the punt. That put the that put the Panthers in the red zone. Yep. Like literally, like at the ten or twelve yard line, and they couldn't get a touchdown out of it. Had to settle for a field goal, and that made them have a six point lead instead of a ten point lead. Mm-hmm. So you know what I mean? Like that was a huge swing that the Viking defense came up strong in. But even there, I got a, I got a question play calling where they basically ran the ball three times, couldn't get it in and settle for a field goal. Um, there was just a couple of things that that the Panthers just didn't do well. And I mentioned it on the Believe in Panthers podcast uh, to my co-host Tyrone Poole last week. And I think I'm about to coin this phrase. These Panthers are really good at consistently being inconsistent. Yep. That's what they are. They're consistently inconsistent. They mm-hmm. do stuff for a stretch where you're like, wow, they look really, really good. And then they'll do something so boneheaded, so out of the blue, and it's not just a player or a position group or a coach. Right. It's like all of them. <laughs> they all take turns, like, doing something to, to stab themselves in the back. And they did that on Sunday. And I'm just like, I kind of need a break. So I'm glad the spot finally came. It was really late in the week, or yeah. late in the year, I should say. Uh, the Panthers definitely need it just to kind of pause for a little bit. Um but they had a huge opportunity to kind of jump in the playoff race on Sunday, and they squandered it. And and what I said was about the bye week, they had a huge chance, as you said, to jump into the playoff picture because Arizona had lost. But not only did they squander it, they have to sit on it for two weeks. Yep. And if I'm not mistaken, they've got a – was it Green Bay? They got next, mm-hmm. I, I believe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's not gonna get any easier. And I, I, I dare Phil Snow to rush three against Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely. Do, so I can break my television. Please, I want <laughs> you to, so I can drop kick my TV in disgust. Like that should be the first thing that the Panthers are talking about tomorrow yep. or on on Tuesday when they see each other. Is, we can't rush Aaron Rodgers with three guys. Nope. You got to put you got to put some pressure on him. Yep. You got to put some pressure on him. And that's the thing I was talking with uh, our friend Chris Lee from WRL right mm-hmm. after the game, mm-hmm. and he was saying, you know, cause I was like, well, it's not really a prevent defense. It's kind of the Panthers' base defense. They've been running it all year. He's like, well, it's not a prevent. It's a three-three-five, and we had success with it last week. You know, we held the Lions to zero points, and I'm like. That's true, but a lot of that was on Detroit. Yeah. Detroit had opportunity to convert, and they, they just did. It wasn't that we were playing so great. They just Detroit played down to our level. Mm-hmm. And Detroit couldn't convert any chances, and they had 
some chances. Desmond Johnson on the line with me. Follow him on Twitter at Des underscore 3505. On to basketball and taking a quick look at the ACC Big Four in basketball. How'd they look over the uh, over the Thanksgiving weekend? Let's start with Wake Forest. How'd you think they look? Um, I saw a little bit of uh, Wake Forest versus Longwood, and we interviewed uh, the new head coach, Steve Forbes, uh, on the rundown a couple of weeks back. I know you've had Davian Williamson on uh, mm-hmm. on uh, the morning show. Uh, I like what Wake is. They look gritty. Like They look like a, a grittier team than last year. Last year's team kind of would fold. This year's team has a little bit of a dog in them. They have a little bit of fight in them, and I think that's the that mid-major – underdog always type of approach that Steve Forbes is bringing to this uh, this team. I like what I'm seeing with Wake Forest. Uh, I don't know who's going to emerge as their guy, because right now they're still kind of figuring it out. But uh, I-, I liked what I saw. Um, I don't think they're going to be the last place team in the ACC, like many play people predicted, just off the hustle alone. Uh, maybe a middle-of-the-pack type ACC squad, I could see that for them, uh, especially if these young players get some confidence early. But uh, I liked what I saw from Wake Forest so far. How about North Carolina State? What'd you like from them or dislike from them over the weekend? I, I have been high on NC State all preseason in terms of what they have and talent level-wise, because a lot of their kids I saw at the prep level uh, doing games and whatnot here around North Carolina. So I'm kind of familiar with what they have. Uh, I, I like some of the young guys with NC State to the point where I've kind of got NC State as a uh, dark horse for the ACC. Um, they just I, – I like their makeup. I like the roster. Um, they played really well against Charleston Southern, uh, their opener. Um, they played really well Friday against North Florida. I, I think that uh, some of the guys they have, Devin Daniels is kind of set to have maybe a big year, uh, Derek Thunderbird for sure. I remember Manny Bates uh, in high school, and he was known as a shot blocker back then. And if I'm not mistaken, last year he was like second or third in the NCAA and blocked shots. Yeah. So I'm expecting a big year from him. Uh, Kim Hayes, the guard, the freshman guard, saw him a couple of times uh, last year uh, calling prep games. Him and Shaquille Moore, they're going to be huge additions to this team at the guard position. And I really think NC State has uh, enough components to make it competitive in the ACC uh, more so than where they were picked preseason. How about Duke and North Carolina? How'd they look over the weekend? Um, well, starting off with Duke, uh, I think it's going to be a serious problem for them not having fans in Cameron. Uh, a lot of other places can kind of adapt to not having the fans, but that fan experience in Cameron is something else upon itself where – you know, a lot of people know that I'm not a huge fan of the Duke Blue Devils, but mm-hmm. I, I respect them. I appreciate what they are. Yeah. Uh, being a being a uh, self-professed Carolina fan, I kind of look at it like uh, lifting weights. Like you can lift more weights when you have a spotter, when you have somebody there with you. Right. And for Carolina, Duke is their spotter, and vice versa. So I respect the rivalry and what it means and everything. Just because I'm not a Duke fan, that means I can't analyze Duke for what they are. Jalen Johnson's a bucket man. He's he's really really good. Um. I think he's gonna. Have, they're gonna have to lean on him this year. Uh, I think that that this opening game against Coppin State. I mean, they only won by ten, and it took DJ Stanley coming off the bench and scoring like twenty four points. 
he, he impressed me pretty well also. But I would be a little worried if I was a Duke fan. Uh, this isn't a, t- a typical Duke team where you've got, you know, like a Zion Williamson or a R.J. Barrett or a, a Marcus Bagley or somebody mm-hmm. that, like, everyone knows is the dude. I don't really know if they've got a guy like that this year. Jalen Johnson came in as the 13th overall prospect. And, and really the past two years for recruiting for Duke haven't been at the same level as they were the previous maybe five. Not to say they're not bringing in talent. They're still bringing in, you know, four or five guys that are four or five-star kids. They're just not at that Bagley, Zion Williamson, uh, R.J. Barrett level of just like he didn't need to come here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he went straight to the pro type level. That's what they were getting for like five years. It was right. driving me nuts. They're not really getting those kids now. Like, I, I don't know who's on this Duke roster that I would feel comfortable picking in the first round of the draft, except for maybe Johnson. Yeah. Um, and then on the Carolina side, I was actually pretty impressed. Their freshmen don't feel like freshmen. Uh, Caleb Love, I thought, played really well. Uh, I was super impressed with Daron Sharp. Like, Daron Sharp. Carolina fancy to get used to him because he's only going to be here about six months and he's right. gone. Like he's gonna, he's got, he's got to go. He's too good. Yes. Uh, and he's coming off the bench. He's good. I was impressed with Walker Kessler, big man freshman that they picked up. Uh, he didn't play very much. I think he only played like six minutes. But got like four rebounds, four points, and you could tell he's got offensive skill. Like once he starts getting more play. He's gonna be a problem. Probably not till maybe sophomore year, mm-hmm. but you can tell he's got he's got some chops. Yeah. And then uh, Love and R.J. Davis, the freshman backcourt for Carolina, I thought they played really well. Uh, get Andrew Playtech all the way up out of here and give us Mr. Puff Johnson, please. And uh, I think I think I think Carolina's gonna be a top three team in the ACC along with uh, along with Duke. Yeah, I, I see it. I see it with Carolina, and you can see them coming together coming together quickly. Give me your thoughts on the ACC moving the tournament last week from Washington, D.C., uh, back home to Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, well, now I've had a couple of days to think about it since they did it. I think there was an ulterior motive to doing that the way they did. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that it leaked out that he had offered uh, to, to basically host a bubble for the ACC regular season in yep. Greensboro, Yep. Uh, which would have made the most sense logistically. And... Uh, I mean, Green headquarters are in Greensboro. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, four of the ACC schools are in North Carolina, within you know sixty miles of Greensboro. Yep. And Greensboro has the the, the facilities to actually do a bubble. Uh, so, this I'm not saying this is happening, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. And it probably should have been planned from the start mm-hmm. for all of college basketball. Because I know earlier you're talking about COVID and how it's kind of wrecking sports right now. Yeah. This is what I think is going to end up having to happen in college basketball for them to get a season in. They're going to have to basically cancel the non-conference part of the season. Like mm-hmm. the NCAA is going to have to do like a two-week moratorium or something on play. Right. Uh, like the, two, the last two weeks of December or something to give the leagues a chance to try to get their stuff together. The ACC, I think what they would end up doing is making the Greensboro Coliseum and Greensboro a bubble for the ACC regular season. So, so hear me out. So there's twenty, there's, there's a twenty game regular season, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's how many teams in the ACC? Uh, 15, 16, something like that. Uh, yeah. You basically you would play like a round robin with like eight of those teams, and then you would play the other 
eight like once, basically. Uh, if it's a 20-game ACC set uh, schedule, then what you do is you put all those teams in uh, the Curry Center down the road, uh, down the road from the Coliseum where they stay for the tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, each team has a floor, whatever you want to do. They already talked about turning some of the ballrooms in there into practice rooms, just like they did in Orlando for the NBA. Yep. Uh, those teams get bussed back and forth to the Coliseum, and you play games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So basically, these teams would play, if say Duke, they'd play Thursday night against uh, Boston College, and then they'd play Saturday night against Clemson. Carolina would play Thursday night against NC State, and then Saturday or Saturday night against Wake Forest. So basically, you're going to be running uh, like eight games every day, just like the NBA did, basically. But you're yeah. them in Greensboro. Yeah. Uh, they've got the they got War Memorial Auditorium where you can use their floor in there, and then you also have the barn. Uh, the auxiliary gym in the back where the Greensboro Swarm play their home games. So right. you've got another facility on the same campus that's a regular-sized uh, court. You get them all in there. If, if you need 10 weeks to get through the season. Let's say so, something does happen with COVID. Build a bye week in there. So you have 11 weeks. So if you start January 1st, you can get it done by the second week of March, which would be ACC tournament time. And that's you're already there. All yep. the teams are already, already there. there. And you just roll right into the tournament. And then from there, the NCAA can figure out what they're going to do for the NCAA tournament. They're already talking about doing a bubble in Indianapolis, so mm-hmm. it's not like it's far-fetched. I think this is what the ACC is going to do. In the next two or three weeks, I think they're going to say, this is what we're doing for the ACC regular season. All these kids are remote learning anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got Monday through Thursday to get their class stuff in, and then starting Thursday afternoons, we Play start ball. running through games. I, I think I think that's what they're going to do, and I think Greensboro would be equipped to handle it. I know I wouldn't be surprised. That would be that, that would be great. That would be great. It would keep us busy. I know that covering covering ACC basketball. Yeah. Uh, one more note: Is Virginia overrated after they dropped a one point decision to San Francisco? Hell yes, they've been, they've been overrated. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I couldn't figure out every poll I saw. <laughs> Virginia was really like number four. And Virginia goes through droughts, lots of droughts. Yeah. You've seen it the last the only year, three the, years, man. The, the, the only year with Tony Bennett at Virginia where Virginia could score was the year they won the whole It was the thing. year where they won and the they national championship. Round, yeah, they had three first-rounders in their, their top their starting five. Mm-hmm. They had DeAndre Hunter and Kyle Guy. I mean, they had scores. They don't have a single guy that can do that on this roster. So I saw Virginia drop to, like, number 15 or something like that in the poll I thought I saw. Yep. And even that, I'm like, I don't even think they're a top 25 team, to be honest with you. Like, I think people have picked Virginia 
to win the ACC, I don't think they're going to come close. I nope. think they're going to be middle of the pack ACC as well. Like I just don't see it. I don't I, see I really it either. Don't see it. And, and I made a post on Facebook, and I got a lot of pushback for it. And I think you caught it when I said Virginia's season has been blown to smithereens. Think 1982. There, when they got upset by Chaminade. Only thing that was different that yeah. year was Ralph Sampson, and they wound up going to um, Albuquerque for the Final Four anyway. This is not a Final Four team. Their season, and I will they say it again, they, they, they don't have a Ralph Sampson. They don't have a Rick Carlisle. They don't have a scorer that can carry them to Indianapolis. Their season has been blown to shreds. That loss to Chaminade in 82 was considered like a, a David versus Goliath type of upset. Mm-hmm. I don't even consider San Francisco beating them an upset, to be honest. Like, I, I just don't even – I'm not even looking at it like Virginia was this titan that was about to get toppled. Virginia seemed like this basic play hard, who we'll win most of the games we play – but we can't score a lick right. on a basketball team. Right. And they went out and proved it first game. <laughs> first game, they went out and proved it right. They, 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 they can't do it. They can't do a doggone thing. And you see it. You see it. It's not going to change. It's not going to change. It's not going to change. Over the course of the season. Like, I, I don't see this. I just never understood it. I never understood why they were rated so high. And I hate Virginia in terms of. <laughs> I hate watching their games. It's like watching paint dry. Like it's, literally, like it's the worst experience. You're not going to see. You're not going to see Junior Burrows, and this is from my first year covering the ACC, 1995 in Greensboro. You're not going to see hey. Junior Burrows walk through the door anytime soon. Okay, you're not going to yeah. see anybody from that 95 team walk through the door. You've got to get some scores, and they just don't have it. My point has been proven. Thank you, Desmond. My point has been proven that Virginia season has been blown to smithereens. Desmond Johnson joining me here on the program, talking all things Carolina Panthers and ACC basketball. May have a couple ACC football notes coming later in the week or later in the show. Who knows? Thanks a lot, DJ. Appreciate the time. Sure thing, man. I'll talk to you next Monday. Insanity ensues. Are you kidding me? You're listening to the Snowman in the Morning podcast. <laughs> Can't wait. Let's go around the ACC, shall we? And we begin Friday as Notre Dame beat North Carolina. Ian Book has been turned loose. They beat the Tar Heels 31-17 and all but cement a spot not only in the playoff, not only in the ACC championship, but the playoff as well. It was North Carolina State over Syracuse, 36-29. Third-ranked Clemson over Pittsburgh, 52-17. And Trevor Lawrence's final game in Death Valley. Boston College over Louisville, 34-27. And Georgia Tech ran over Duke, 56-33. Virginia and Florida State have been postponed. Notre Dame cemented themselves as the second-best team in the country. And not only that, They cemented themselves in the ACC championship game to be played in Charlotte in three weeks' time. And the team they're going to see is Clemson because Clemson took care of business like they were supposed to. I will say it again, and I have been totally consistent with this, and I will remain with my opinion. Clemson-Notre Dame gave us the first of a possible trilogy. The third one could occur 
in January, whether it be January 1st or January 11th. Something's going to happen to see, to get these two teams together for a third time. You know where the second is? The second's going to be in Charlotte for the ACC championship game. Trevor Lawrence back after a five-week absence in the Clemson lineup. They beat down Pittsburgh, and Lawrence basically told his team goodbye. He He told Clemson goodbye after that game where he threw for 400 yards. And he had 31. They put up 31 in the first quarter. 31 points in the first quarter. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Can he still win the Heisman after missing multiple games? I think that's what's going to happen. I haven't seen anyone or heard of anyone that has as much pull on the Heisman voters as Trevor Lawrence does. It's been all about him since last year. It's been all about Trevor Lawrence since last year when he lost in the Superdome to LSU in the national championship game. I still believe Trevor Lawrence is the Heisman Trophy winner unless someone in the next two weeks puts up hellified numbers and carries their team to the college football playoff. I don't think Justin Fields will smell a vote after missing a possibility to amp his game up against Illinois. As for North Carolina, how close are they to being a top 10 perennial team? After what happened Friday, a long way. Because their offense could not get going, and they've leaned on their offense all year. Their defense kept them in the game. Don't get it twisted. Their defense absolutely kept them in the game. But against a good team like Notre Dame, they got pounded. And I don't mean pounded as in yards gained or anything like that. I mean they got pounded in attitude because after Notre Dame tied the game 17-all, the game was theirs. They got to a tie at halftime. They got the lead and then leaned on that very good defense to carry them back to South Bend with a win and the number two ranking still intact. Now, if Notre Dame beats Clemson in the ACC title game, then Clemson is finished as far as the playoff goes. What if Ohio State can't play six games? Would they deserve a playoff spot? Nope. Because Ohio State was... How can I put this? Ohio State was the great playoff hope for the Big Ten. And they lost the game with Illinois. They lose another one, they're done. If they lose another game... With COVID, doesn't matter if they're undefeated, how they're undefeated, they're finished. 
they do not deserve or get a playoff spot. Which, and I'm going to be very, very homerish here. Y'all know I'm from Chicago. Which could open the door. No, it couldn't. It couldn't because Northwestern laid an egg yesterday. And if Ohio State misses another game, then there's no hope, at least for right now, of the Big Ten getting a playoff team into the uh, in uh, getting a team into the playoff. That's what I wanted to say. I just want so badly. I just want so badly for my Northwestern Wildcats to do something to get into the college football playoff and really and really tee off against some teams. It's going to depend on if they get the if they get the pennant for the Big 10. That is what it's going to depend on. But knowing how these pollsters pollsters think and this is one man's opinion, I don't think NU will see the playoff. They needed that win against Michigan State. Good God, they needed that win, and they laid an egg. And I hate that happening. I'll gun it. I hate that happening. Let's go over some games. In the ACC, I mentioned San Francisco beating fourth-ranked Virginia 61-60. to You just heard Devin Johnson and I agree that Virginia is overrated. Syracuse over Bryant, 85-84. These are all from Friday. Louisville over Seton Hall, 71-70 to at the Way Tip-Off Classic. North Carolina State over North Florida, 86-51. Wake Forest over Longwood, 71-60. to it was Mercer beating Georgia Tech, 83-73. Garner-Webb and Florida State was postponed. From Thanksgiving Day, it was Boston College over Rhode Island, 69-64. Purdue loses to Clemson, 81-70. From Saturday, Pittsburgh over Drexel, 83-74. 81-71, Coppin State over Duke, it was Villanova, third-ranked Villanova, going down in overtime to Virginia Tech, 81-73. And speaking of Notre Dame and Michigan State, the Spartans get the best of Notre Dame, 80-70. to Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Snowman in the Morning. I want to thank my wonderful guest, uh, David Glenn. Uh, follow him on Twitter, at David Glenn Show. Always a fabulous conversation. And also, let me thank Jay Spivey. He's teamed up with Sports Carolina to bring you Sports Carolina Monthly Plus. If you invest, it's $4 a month. It's a great investment. I advise you to do so. Connor O'Neill will join me tomorrow, and we got some other things in motion for all of our affiliates, including Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Follow, follow them at Tobacco Radio. And look online at TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. The SDM Sports Network is alive and well. SDMSportsNetwork.com is where you can follow them. And we got a few more affiliates that will pick up this show and carry it. And one more that I need to mention. And that station is WTLBDB in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. TransformUradio.com is where you can find them. 
Let me get out of here. I got to go get some breakfast and I got to get ready for the rest of the day. So until tomorrow, have a great day. God bless. Remember to make your next move your best move. And always remember, if your dreams don't scare you, then they are not big enough. Dream big, do bigger. I am, and I hope you all are too. I'm out of here. You've been listening to the Snowman in the Morning podcast. Do you believe it? Are you kidding me? I think I just broke my chair. For more information, log on to snowmandigitalmedia.com or download this podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. And we'll see you tomorrow night. Can't wait. <laughs>